Aren't you glad that you've been invited to the table of the Lord? Amen. The way it was around my house, if you didn't come when you got invited, there wasn't nothing left. My wife had eaten. No, it wasn't my wife. It was my brothers and sisters. <laughs> Turn around, look at your neighbor and say, I'm glad you're here. And aren't you thankful for all the sunshine that God sent in our way? In Jesus' name, amen. Today, let, before we get started, let me make a, a couple of more announcements. One is uh, today, make sure to come on over. You're going to eat lunch someplace. You might as well come over to the Life Center and eat it uh, with us there. It'll be cheeseburgers and hot dogs, and I think they may have some other things as well. Uh, I need to meet with the mission team immediately after service in the conference room. So let me see you there for just a few minutes to make sure everybody's got everything they need. And then right after service, there's going to be a table and two tables out in the lobby. One will be for VBS where you can sign up. The other will be for overcomers. And I want you to watch this video. just a disturbing childhood, uh, sexual abuse, alcoholism, control. I felt like that I had no one to turn to at a point in my life. Things were very bad. I was not a happy person. I was very, very angry. Mm -hmm. And it, it really had taken my freedom. Mm -hmm. I had become a virtual slave. I was homeless. I couldn't hold a job. I couldn't support myself. Done the whole bit from jails, sleeping under bridges, to just having absolutely nothing with nowhere to go. Welcome to the Overcomers Program, a recovery plan that works. If you are struggling with a life-controlling addiction, shame, or fear from past hurts, these Christ-centered 12-steps will give you the tools to the break time free. I was 17, I was caught in cross-dressing and bisexuality, just confused, bound, not knowing who I was, what I was. And this went on until the age of 32. We're at 32, God started to move in my life. And by just God's providence, I walked into an overcomers group. And for the first time in my life, I was able to get real. Before overcomers, I, I still allowed um, uh, people with stronger personalities to con help control my decisions to make my decisions for me. And Overcomers has shown me how I can stand strong with faith in God and know that I am making the right decision. I'm sitting here today, 18 years later, still free, clothed and in my right mind. I'm a Bible college graduate. I've got four beautiful boys, a lovely wife. I'm blessed among men. And it's all because of a group overcomers. He brought me from a destitute life with nowhere to go to a life of hope. I, I feel peace. I feel freedom. I work in an environment, uh, my job, uh, work at a detox center, where I'm able to share each day 
with people who are at that point in their life that there is hope. How many of you glad today that there's hope? Amen. So after service today, uh, uh, Ray Highfield will be, if you would stand a minute, Ray. Ray will be at a table to answer any questions that you might have on the overcomers. What we're doing, this first uh, series that we're doing on the 14th and 21st is trying to train leaders. Now, look, you may not end up leading a group, and I talked with uh, Christine, I believe it was last week, and she was talking about the fact that, you know, it's so far, they're like an hour from here, so, you know, logistically, it would be, you know, there's no way that she can make it in every week once we start doing the program. The 14th and 21st were training leaders, and it was like I was sharing with Christine. I said, look, I said, where you're at is an extension of the ministry of this church. I said, so you're going to take what you've learned and you'll apply it to people where you're at. No matter whether you end up leading a group or not here, what you're going to learn is going to help you to be able to deal not only with issues. How many of you have ever had an issue? Turn around and look at your neighbor and just say this. What's your issue? Somebody looked at me and said that one. <laughs> We've all got issues, right? We've all had issues in life. And what this does is this helps us to be able to recognize what those are, to give those to God and let God set us free from it. But look. What God's done for you, he wants to do for others. So you need to be able to set in on this training so he can, uh, you can learn how to help people that are struggling with these issues. Ray will be out there to answer any questions you have. So let me encourage you to stop by the table after service. All right. If you have your Bibles, I want you to go with me. We're finishing up the series on learning to discern the voice of God. How many of you have ever had difficulty at times hearing from God? You ever struggled to hear from God? How many of you ever thought you heard from God one time and you found out it was the pepperoni pizza that you had the night before? So learning to discern the voice of God we've talked about for the last two weeks, and we're going to end this week uh, on this topic, and I'm, I'm going to uh, title this The North Side of a Mountain. Say that with me, the north side of the mountain. Years ago, there was a magazine that was advertising their yachts, like their, their ships. And it said, our ships are made to last because they were built with virgin timber from the north side of a mountain. And I thought about that, and I thought, well, what's, why would they be advertising that? And then as I began to investigate it, I found out that lumber that grows on the north side of the mountain is the most durable and rugged and long-lasting lumber because it's been exposed to the harshest environment, the deepest snows, and the coldest winters. And if you survive the north side of a mountain— you're going to make it. Everybody say, you're going to make it. Having said that, I want you to go with me to the book of Exodus, the third chapter in verse 1. It says, Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock 
to the backside of the desert. Everybody say that with me, the backside of a desert. Or if you would say it with me this way, the north side of a mountain. Because you're going to find out that the backside of the desert and the north side of a mountain have got a lot in common. And came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word, God, that brings life. We ask you, God, to let us become a conduit that you can flow through. God, and cause us to leave this place knowing that you have prepared us and equipped us for what's ahead. We give you praise for that in Jesus' name. Amen. So you know Moses' life. Moses is not. How many of you were born with a silver spoon in your mouth? Just stand up right now. Nobody. How many of you were born in the school of hard knocks? Raise your hand. Or have had a few hard knocks in your life? Raise your hand. Isn't it something that nobody stood up for the silver spoon, but everybody's acknowledging that we've had a few hard knocks? Moses was not born into ideal circumstances. This is the first thing I want you to understand. Your circumstances have nothing to do with what God can do in your life. Amen. Are you with me today? What, what your situation is right now has no bearing on what God is able to do. Moses was born into a world that wanted to murder him. It's not much different than it is today. He was born into a, a, a legal system that literally said, you take every boy of the Hebrews and throw them into the Nile River and drown them. But when Moses' mother had him, she looked at him and recognized that God had a purpose for this child's life. It was a, he said, a goodly child. And she did all she knew she could do. She wrapped up and made a little bull rush for him and uh, put him in a basket, lined it with tar to try and keep it from leaking, and set it in the very river that was supposed to take his life. I want you to hear me. This world wants to take you out, but you're in the world. You're not of the world. And so God may have set us in a hostile environment, but God is well able to keep us in that environment and perform the work that he has for our lives amen. where we're at. Everybody say amen. amen. See, we've got too much of this stuff in our thinking that, well, if this would happen and that would happen, then everything would come together and I could do something for God. I remember... Uh, sharing with you about a young man. We were, I was doing street ministry, and so I'd take a bullhorn, and I'd find a, an outlet and plug it in and, and just start preaching. I had a young man come to me, and he said, he said, Brother Rick, he said, I really feel like God's telling me to do street ministry, but I need a guitar player. I need a piano player. It'd be great if I could get a drummer. And I stopped him. I said, wait a minute, man. I said, you could spend your life waiting for those things. I said, if God called you to do street ministry, find you a microphone and a street corner and go at it. Amen. Oh, no, 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 no. I got to get my name up in lights. Your name isn't the name that's important. It's his name. This isn't about us. This is all about him. And let me just tell you this, that if what you're hearing is lifting you up, you're not hearing from God because what you hear from God will lift him up. Amen. 
He's the only superstar. And so it's all about him. He ends up surviving. Think about this. There's only one person or two people in all of Egypt that could end up saving this boy's life in the natural. And God made sure that he wound up right where they were. Pharaoh's daughter comes and finds that baby. And that baby is what? Run up here a minute, Spencer. Are you there? Is Spencer out there? He's not out there. Is there a baby out there anywhere? Let me borrow, let me borrow a young lady. Come here real quick. We're going to pretend like you're Moses for a second. Okay, so when, when, come on up here with me. So all of a sudden, they, they open that basket, and when they open that basket, she's crying, or he's crying. Give me a good cry. Go, just go, ah! And what, what, does, what does Pharaoh's daughter do? Let me give her a hand. Thank you. I put her on the spot. Okay, let me, let, let, let me share this with you. She'll never forget me, or forgive me, probably. All right, let, let me share this with you. What do women do when they see babies crying? Come here, James. Come here, James. Okay, James, James is a little baby in a basket. He's crying. And what, what do women... Uh, what, don't don't overact. No, okay, okay. So so what what do what do women do when they see baby crying? They what? Oh, poor baby. So who finds Moses? Pharaoh's daughter. What would have happened if Pharaoh would have found Moses before Pharaoh's daughter found Moses? Let me let me ask you this. What do men do when they see a baby crying? <laughs> No, okay, no, okay. No, they don't. They, they don't do that. What they do, what, what they do is they look for a mama. They say, hey, honey, come get the baby. I was the quickest on the draw that you ever saw, man, when it came to our children. When our babies cried, you could not beat me to their crib. And then you could not beat me getting them into their mama's arms. It was like, wah! <laughs> If Pharaoh, think about this. See, you've got to understand that God has everything in control, even when it looks like it's spinning out of control. When, if, if Pharaoh had found Moses, Pharaoh would have thrown him in the river. But God made Pharaoh's daughter find him, and she was the only one that could stop Pharaoh from hurting him, and God instituted it. You don't know what God saved you from. You, you, you're living on the backside of your miracle. You don't even know a miracle happened. How many accidents has he kept you out of that you don't know anything about? How many times? There were times when I was in other countries, and I promise you that God intervened. There were times when I was being followed that I know God intervened, 
There were times that people were planning to rob me that I know God intervened. And I'm telling you that if God be for you, who can be against you? So he grows up, think about this. God not only orchestrates his rescue, he orchestrates his upbringing. Moses' mother gets paid to feed her own baby. How many of you ladies got paid to nurse yours? How many felt like you should have been paid? <laughs> and so Moses' mother ends up being paid, Jochebed ends up being paid to nurse her own son. And then when he's at the age where he doesn't need nursing any longer, so you're talking probably three years old, anywhere from, I, I, I'm going to guess, anywhere from two to four years old, that that would have stopped. And then he, she takes him back to Pharaoh's daughter. How hard do you think that was for her? I can promise you it wasn't near as hard as it was when she put him in that river. So when she goes to give him back to Pharaoh's daughter, she's got a new attitude. She's got a new outlook on life. She's saying, look, God, you kept my baby this far. You provided for me while I was feeding him. So I've seen you do what I thought was impossible. I know you're able to keep my son. Paul said that I'm persuaded he's able to keep what I've committed to him against that day. So let me light your life up. You need to commit it to him. He can't keep what you don't commit. Why do you keep wrestling with it? Why do you keep struggling with it? Why do you keep going in the same day in, day out struggle with those things when all you've got to do is let it go? Everybody say it, let it go. You know how they catch monkeys? One of the ways they catch monkeys, they put a banana in a box and they drill a small hole in the box that the monkey can stick his hand in like this but when the monkey grabs the banana he can't get his hand back out and then they just run up and grab the monkey well why doesn't the monkey let go of the banana you'd have to ask him I don't know why do we not let go of stuff how many of you know someone that's held a grudge for years Refusing to let go of it, and it was making them miserable. How many of you knew that person very well? You know what my next question is, don't you? <laughs> don't raise your hand on this, but how many of you were that person? Because what happens is this, is the devil knows that as long as he can keep us out of God's presence... And I'm telling you, bitterness will do that. Then he knows you're not going to fulfill God's purpose in your life. Amen. But the moment you make up your mind, you're going to let it go. Everybody say it with me. Let it go. You're going to learn how to hear the voice of God. So here comes Moses. He's schooled by the... Do you understand everything that Moses received during his upbringing... He received at the hands of the most powerful nation in the world. 
He had the finest education. He had the finest military training. He, had, he was learned in the arts. He, he knew all of this. It was poured into him. And when Moses gets older, what's he see that gets him in trouble? He sees an Egyptian beating a Hebrew. And what's he do? He kills the Egyptian and then goes, praise God. How many times have you done something that you thought was God's will? And in retrospect, you realize that wasn't the will of God at all. You got so consumed with the moment that you forgot to check out in with the one that holds every moment in his hand. And so Moses responds out of an emotion rather than out of faith. And what's happened what happens to Moses because of that he ends up having to run for his life so this is what I want you to get Moses is raised in the lap of luxury for 40 years everybody say 40 years the next 40 years of his life would be spent on the back side of a desert or if you will on the north side of a mountain well isn't that just wasted no let's Here's what I want you to understand. It doesn't matter where you're at right now. God can redeem it. God can use it. Doesn't matter, doesn't matter what you did. Doesn't matter where you've been. Doesn't matter what you're thinking or what your reasoning was. What you need to know is this, is God wants to intervene right now. Everybody say right now. Matter of fact, let me ask this question. How many of you have ever found yourself in a situation going, God, I can't believe I'm here. What am I doing here, Lord? I'm on this backside of a desert. I can't. But I, I want to ask a question. Did God ever speak to Moses the 40 years that he was in Egypt? Not that's recorded. And I can guarantee you that he did not speak to him audibly the 40 years he's in Egypt. Because the first time God speaks to him audibly, Moses doesn't recognize who he is. If he'd have spoken to him before, Moses would have known who he was. Well, what's your point, Pastor? My point is there are some things that living in a palace will not put in you. There are some things that living in the lap of luxury do not afford you. Now, not only was Moses going to be a historian, so God took care of that part of his upbringing in Egypt. But Moses was going to have to lead some two million people through a wilderness. And you don't learn how to do that setting in palaces. And so what God does is he takes the most difficult time of Moses's life the time where he feels separated from God the time where he feels away from God the time that he feels like I've blown it I'll never be able I I, I felt like God wanted to use me but now God could never use me 
He spends 40 years in the harshest environments, fighting the hottest suns, exposed to the elements. And at the end of that 40 years, he hears God. I'm telling you that what you're going through has not been wasted, that all your struggle has not been in vain, that God has not forgotten you nor forsaken you, but he's got a plan for your life. And where you're at right now, he's developing you for what he's got for you. My brother just came out of the army, right? Did you have to go through something called boot camp? Basic training. Did you get a lot of lollipops in basic training? Sergeants that said, you sweet young man, you... If you feel like it, I'd like you to try and do 25 push-ups today. We're going to take a little run after a while, but if you get tired, you just stop and rest yourself. We'll have somebody bring you some cold water. <laughs> That's exactly it. Don't worry, private. I'll take care of you. Basic training is not for your comfort. It's not for you to kick back and relax, Ben. Basic training is for your survival. The north side of a mountain is where God puts you because he's determined that what he's got for you, you're going to succeed in. So he's going to make you rough enough, tough enough, and got stuff enough to get through it on that north side. Everybody say north side. Doesn't it strike you odd that Moses doesn't hear from God until the end of that experience? He doesn't hear from God during those 40 years in the palace. God isn't audibly speaking to him. But approaching the end of 40 years in the wilderness, he learns to discern the voice of God. Anybody ever been there? He didn't even know God was, he didn't know that was God. How many of you ever been in a situation that you thought, man, this is, I mean, this is really bad, and then found out it was God's will all along? I mean, think about it. All of a sudden, that burning bush starts, you know, it's burning, it's not being consumed. And he goes, man, I'm going to check this out. And a voice says, Moses. Moses. I knew I'd been in the sun too long. And he tells me, he said, what? what? What is it? He said, Moses. He said, take your shoes off because the land that you're standing on is holy ground. He said, I'm the God of your fathers the God of Abraham, Jacob, and Isaac. I don't know about you, but I'm telling you, the one time I heard God speak, I didn't see him. He woke me up in that truck. I just, I don't know how I would respond if all of a sudden I'm out camping and the fire starts talking to me. Rick, get that hot dog off of this fire. 
I'm telling you, it would shake me up. It would definitely have my attention. And so God begins to speak to Moses, and Moses is in a planning session with God. Amen. How many of you'd like God to help you out with your plans? <laughs> He's in a planning session with God. And God, God starts telling him what he's going to do. I'm going to free. I want you to go back to Egypt. I'm going to tell Pharaoh, I want you to tell Pharaoh, let my people go. But God, what if, what if they won't listen to me? What if your people won't listen to me? I mean, I don't even know what your name is. He said, you tell them I am that I am has sent you. Amen. You know, I... Moses has got a lot more audacity than I do. Because <laughs> after he said that, he said, but what if they still won't believe? I mean, you, you know, there's a voice coming out of fire. And he just said, you tell them I am that I am. And then he said, but what if, what if they still don't believe? He said, throw that rod down. It turned into a serpent. <laughs> now pick it up. Do what? <laughs> Pick it up. He picks it up and it turns back into a rod. He said, now stick your hand in your garment. He sticks it out, pulls it back out. His hand is full of leprosy. God, I hope there is a reverse to this. <laughs> he pulls it back and it's clean. I'm How many of you, if that happened to you, it'd be enough. I mean, I'm with you, God. I'm ready to roll. I'm ready to go, God. It's good. Moses gets done with that, and he said, God, can't you send somebody else? His hand had just turned to leprosy. I'd have been afraid my whole body was getting ready to turn that way. He said, can't you send somebody else? He said, because I'm not an eloquent speaker. I wasn't one before you got here, and I haven't turned into one since you showed up. And the Lord says calmly, who made man's mouth? Who made man to see or to hear? Did not I, the Lord God, I will be with you. Now go. Amen. Me and you, God, right? <laughs> There's some things that you don't get in palaces. There's some things that you don't learn when everything's going your way. There are some lessons that you are void of until you face conflict. There's a process in botany called vernalization. Would you say that with me, vernalization? This is what it means. It means before something can bloom, it has to be exposed to a cold environment. Tulips go through vernalization. That's why you plant tulips in the fall so they'll go through a winter. And once they go through that winter, it does something to that seed that causes it to blossom like it never would have done had it not faced that north or that cold spot first. Are you with me? How many of you understand that the devil wants to try and keep you from what God has for you? 
The devil's trying to rob you from that experience on the north side because he knows that once you come out of that, you're going to be different. As a matter of fact, I'm going to prove to you that the devil attacks on the north side of a mountain. This is found in Isaiah 14, verse 12 and 13. How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you are cut down to the ground, you who weaken the nations. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. Because even the devil knows that the north side of a mountain is where God builds people. So he says, I'm going to take you out. I'm going to rise up and I'm going to get you when you're in that harsh environment. And that's what he was trying to do to Moses. He was trying to take him out. Think about this. He got Moses to focus on his weakness instead of God's strength. Amen. That's never happened to you, right? When all of a sudden we start focusing on our inabilities instead of God's ability, Amen. Gideon has an angel show up telling him that he's a mighty man of valor. I don't feel like one. Your feelings have got nothing to do with it. I remember years ago, my pastor used to tell me, that, Debbie's dad, he says, we had this young man, he said, he came, he came to church and he said, man, he got up and he said, whoa, I want to do me some of that fiery preaching. His dad started asking him about his life. His fire went out. Because <laughs> his life wasn't matching the message that he wanted to speak. The greatest influence I have, it's not my words, it's my life. Well, do you walk on water? No. But I know the individual that helps me when I'm about to go under. I know the one that's able to rescue. And so you don't need to fear. You need to focus on God and not your self because God knows how to deal with Satan as a matter of fact there's a neat little phrase in scripture that when Satan decided to exalt himself above God there's just one little line that is mentioned in scripture and it kind of shows you how God dealt with Satan and Jesus said I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Oh, come on. I saw Satan fall like lightning. How many of you have ever seen a bolt of lightning? Do you understand what this is saying? It said when the devil was trying to lift himself up above God, God got a hold of him and like a bolt of lightning coming out of heaven, lightning the visible flash of lightning travels at a speed of 220 million miles per hour. <laughs> he said, I, I saw him come out. That's 320 million feet per second. 
Go ahead, make my day. Do you understand the God that you serve is well able to care for you, to protect you, that when the devil's trying to take you out, he's going to take you up? No wonder the scripture said, death, where's your sting? Grave, where's your victory? Juanita Cook passed away. Her funeral's going to be this Thursday. She's 96 years old. They went into her room that one day, I believe it was last week, and she was in there. And I, man, Juanita, those of you that knew Juanita, she's the sweetest lady you ever met in your life. I, they went into her room. She had her hands raised, praising God. She'd broken her hip. She was in pain. She's praising God and saying, Lord, just come and take me home, God. I love you, Father. Praising God. Do you understand? Death has got no sting anymore because God has taken it out. Now, let me ask a question. How many of you want your life to produce for God? God is building you to last. Even when you feel like you're about to fall apart. Listen to what Paul tells us in Ephesians. He said, he is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. So let him do it. Let him do it in you. You know what our biggest challenge is? Our focus. We're not focused on him. We're focused on what we're going through. We don't turn our sights toward heaven. We look a different direction. I was reading, I can't recall now what I was reading, but there was a, oh, I know, I know what it was. I was, I was reading a, uh, I, I can't remember the name of the book. It's a secret servant agent that is, uh, he, 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 was a, he was a secret service agent for five presidents, and he was talking about his time with President Kennedy and how that he watched him, and he said, man, this guy could cut a sailboat unbelievable through the water. He said that he was on it, and they were, you know, they, they told him, well, here, take it. You know, you, you guide it in. And he said, I, I was going through the water, and he said, and I kept getting off course. He said, because I realized that when I looked away from where I was headed, I kept veering off. It's kind of like what happens when you're plowing a field. You have to fix your eyes on something at the end of that field and move toward it. And the scripture said that we have Jesus, <laughs> the author and the finisher of our faith, and that we ought to fix our eyes on him. Amen. And as we fix our eyes on him, we begin to move toward what God has promised us. Amen. Now, how many of you are ready for God to have his way in your life. Stand with me right now. You're ready for God to have his way in your life or raise your hand, acknowledge it somehow. Now, I want you to hear me. God cannot have his way in your life until he has your life. Amen. You can't serve God and Satan. You, you can't expect 
God's will to unfold in your life when you're not focused on him and you're involved in other stuff. I remember, man, at 18 years old, I was in, in such a mess because I was, I would show up to church on Sunday morning, but I was at the disco. How many of you remember that cuckoo's disco out there? I was at the disco. I wasn't even 18. I was 17 years old. They never even stopped to check me. And I came to a conclusion, I can't live like this. I was miserable. And I remember getting down and praying one day and saying, God, I can't serve you like this. I've either got to give you everything I've got or I can't serve you at all. And I said, God, I want to serve you. That night was the beginning of the rest of my life because God heard my prayer. And from that day on, something got a hold of me. Have you ever had any rough spots? Oh, yeah. But I found out that no matter how cold it gets, no matter how strong the winds are blowing, there's a God that goes before me. Amen. And he's made me a promise. He said, for I'm persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. What's Paul saying? Paul's saying, I've had it all thrown at me, and I found a God that can handle it all. He's able to take care of it. How about it? Are you ready for him to take care of it? If you are, just give him a hand clap of praise right now. So this is what we're going to do right now. You can't let him have his way in your life until you let him have your life. Amen. I, church, I want you to understand that you're not the only ones that I'm preaching to today. That there are hundreds of people that go online and watch these messages. That there are people to listen to this on the radio. So what I want you to do right now is stretch your hands up to heaven and I want you to begin to ask God for them. Now, if you're in this place today and you have never given him your life, it's your time right now to say yes. And I'm sorry, I'm not going to have you close your eyes and bow your head so nobody can see you do it. I never understood that. I'm not knocking it. I just don't understand it. I figure if you can't give your life to God in front of people that love you and care about you, how are you ever going to serve him in a world? So this is what I want you to do. I want you to make up your mind. Today's my day. Would you say it with me? Today's my day. This is what Paul tells us in Romans. He says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. For with the heart, one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. So I want you to pray this prayer with me in support of everyone that's praying it for themselves for the first time. Are you ready? Come on, stretch those hands to heaven and pray with me right now. God, I recognize that I am lost without you. So today, with my heart, I believe. With my mouth, I confess 
that you raised Christ from the dead, that he was crucified on my behalf to forgive me of my sins. So Lord, I say, I'm sorry, forgive me. Lord, thank you today for being the Lord of my life, for changing me from this moment on. I am not my own. I belong to you in Jesus' name. Come on now, give me a hand clap of praise in this house. Now, this is what I want you to do. I want you to get a hold of somebody right now. Just take their hand and say, okay, have you got a hand? Take their hand and say this with me. I've given myself to him. If you have, now if you haven't, you can't say that. I've given myself to him. Now I'm ready for him to work in me. Are you ready? That might mean you may get a little uncomfortable. Boy, I I see people looking at me. That might mean that you might hear. The wind may start to blow. But let me tell you that even when you're on the north side of the mountain, there's a God that can wrap you in his love and make you feel warm and toasty. (laughs) Are you ready? Say this prayer with me. God, here I am. And I'm giving you all of me. I'm asking you to use me, even if it makes me uncomfortable, even if I'm not used to it. And if I kick up a fuss, shake me up, God, until I fuss no more. And I give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Come on, give him a hand clap of praise. I want you to get ready, church. I want you to get, our best days are not behind us, they're in front of us. And God, now people say, but there's stuff going on. That's exactly right. And God's still in control. And when things get out of control, who do people look for? People that have peace in their heart, a song in their heart and a smile on their face. So try it out. They're going to come looking for you and you're going to get the opportunity to share with them about a God that loves them more than they even love themselves. Are you ready for it to happen? All right. Give them one more hand clap of praise. As you go out today, you go out knowing that you're the head and not the tail, above and not beneath, that God's going to bless you going out and coming in. And you, my friend, are the hands and the feet of God. So let him use you for his glory in Jesus' name. God bless you today.